This week, the ghosts of my first business venture and the little ghost friend of my godniece. Now this is going to go back for me. I don't normally talk about this, but for some reason, maybe something's uh, communicating with me, something's telling me that I need to discuss my past a little bit. Now, it's not as ominous as I'm making it sound right now, uh, but I've been in the paranormal for quite a few years now. I know this is going to be dating myself. I'm going to take the risk. I've been in the paranormal for over 20 years, starting in 1999. Now, back then, I wasn't so much of um, a ghost guide, a ghost walks business manager. Uh, Back then, I was more of an investigator. So my first foyer, foyer, foyer. My first adventure in the paranormal was uh, stepping in and doing investigations at residential homes. So this led myself and my partner at the time. We started up a a group. It wasn't really a business at that point. And we offered uh, residential investigations. Now, we weren't the first. The Toronto Ghost Society was actually the first. But we were potentially the second. Now, I've never confirmed this, but we were potentially the second online paranormal group to ever come into existence in Canada, and um, it was named Haunted Hamilton. So it started with the Bellevue Mansion. Now, I've talked about this many times before. I'm sure I've talked about it in the podcast But there was a house on Hamilton Mountain known as Bellevue Mansion. Now, I'm not going to go into detail, maybe a future podcast. If I haven't already (laughs) gone into it before, I'm going to check that to make sure. I don't want to be already doing repeat content. But the Bellevue Mansion at the time and for about 20 or 30 years had been abandoned. So we had heard about this house while living in Toronto Uh, came back and did a makeshift investigation. It definitely wasn't a professional one. And when we were all said and done, we had these beautiful photos taken on a uh, wonderful camera, and we didn't really know what to do with it at the time. So then the house was torn down in the middle of the night by a greedy landowner, and we had the only remaining photos of the house. So we knew people wanted to see them. We were getting notes from people that we were close to, to to somehow show these. And at the time, I mean, of course, the Internet was around. But back then, uh, websites were not what they are today. So I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but it just so happens that my partner at the time, she was into uh, designing sites and I had the ability to develop them and and put them up on the technical side so we just got all that together and uh, posted an article on Bellevue Mansion so it included the history the legends the ghost stories etc etc so now the uh, the the site is in existence the article has been posted and this kind of like kicks off an entrance into the paranormal um, with Haunted Hamilton as an investigative group. So we started taking requests and going into places, and that's when I found out that it wasn't really for me. 
again maybe if i haven't already I'll, I'll talk more about that later on but i was i was good at reporting people's stories and and writing people's experiences so then that kind of skewed me towards my future uh ghost guiding because around uh 2011 um it kind of like completely parted ways completely separated off now the reason i bring this up i do have a reason the first time that I ever thought about going into a business venture and having a physical location was with the Haunted Hamilton shop. Now, this shop was once in existence on James Street South in my own home city of Hamilton. And if anybody who's listening who is from Hamilton, uh, you know the stone terrace buildings. So they're stone row houses, historic from the 1800s. And there was one unit that used to belong to Florence Nightingales, and she uh, provided uh, nursing uniforms. And she had been there for, I, I believe, decades providing these nursing uniforms. So just by looking at the place, you could tell it was haunted. I mean, it had that, that air about it. Not even like put aside the fact that it was extremely historic from the 1800s, which is pretty big for, for Canada level. And... On top of that, it had a storied history because it had been businesses. And above that, you know, people lived in apartments. I'm not sure if they were ever actually row houses. I I don't think so. I could be wrong. Tell me in the comments if you think I'm wrong. Or send me a message. ggdaniel at ghostwalks.com or ghostguidedaniel on Facebook. So it had an energy about it right off the bat. And I knew there was something with this place, but I didn't realize how deep into it we get involved. Because I'm going to tell you, the span of everything that had happened in this building, which floors me today, was over a year lease. We didn't last more than a year. Because really, when it came down to it, it was a very bad idea. <laughs> it just uh, went into it with no real concrete plan. And it wouldn't be the first time that I made a, a bad business decision but um, we did last out the year which you know back then rents weren't as high as they are today uh, chances are we wouldn't have lasted out the year if the rents were what they are now so we move into this space <clears throat> uh, we move into this space and uh, immediately you can start seeing things getting stirred up now we didn't do a ton of renovations but we did some uh, we had a handyman come in he took down a wall uh, which we knew a fireplace was behind so we wanted to expose the original fireplace which we ended up doing this was all part of a plan to run parlor theaters inside the shop which ended up being pretty cool when it came down to it uh, we did a Rocco Perry parlor theater he's kind of like uh canada's al capone a uh, king of the bootleggers and we actually had his family like his descendants come in one evening uh to to, to watch that theater and I'll, I'll tell you i told uh, the the actor mark uh who's playing rocco perry he was doing a wonderful job and i took him aside i was like hey Guess who your your audience is tonight? And it wasn't very popular, so maybe we were lucky to be able to fit five or six people in there. And all of them, 
all of them had the last name Perry. So that was, uh, needless to say, he was a tad bit nervous going into that evening. But I'm going to tell you, he did a wonderful job. And afterwards, uh, they came up to us and they talked to us for a bit and told us that, you know, they really enjoyed it. You know, we, we, we presented it to be respectful to the legacy of Rocco Perry, even though technically he was a criminal, but I mean, this is Hamilton after all. If you don't know what I mean, look up mafia history in Hamilton. So he knew the place had energy. And one of the main resident spirits of the building was an older woman known as Elizabeth. Now, my partner would be the first one to experience her uh, when coming in to open up the shop one afternoon. Uh, she walks through the front door, and here's how she described it. She said she could see in the back. It was much darker than towards the front. The light didn't really get in there very well because the back windows were blocked up, and the front window, uh, there's no side windows, right, because it's a row building. So she could see a shadow kind of in the darkness there, and she said it was kind of hunched over looking at the computer, and then a flash, and it was gone. So an older woman hunched over looking at the computer. Now, when Florence Nightingale was in the shop, I doubt very much she had any use for computers. So having this advanced, and I'm telling you by advanced, I mean it had one of the old-fashioned CRT monitors, like the big, the big monitors, not the flat screens. That was advanced for Elizabeth, so don't judge. But it would have been new for her. To see this kind of technology in the building uh, so that was the first experience uh, renovations of course being done kind of stirs up the energy and mix that all with a psychic spending regular time in the shop and i'm not talking about any psychic i mean this psychic suzanne uh, she was the real deal it was amazing the stuff that she would come up with during the few investigations that she did with us it wasn't the life that she really chose for herself, and she didn't really do regular readings. She did it in, uh, like for specialty clients at her home for years afterwards, and I'm not even sure if she's still doing it today, but she never really took on new clients, never really opened up a shop, it just kind of kept it on the down low, kept it uh, very much to herself. And just the things that she would pick up were just always would floor me so i respected her and i knew that when she provided information it was something to listen to and that everything kind of would fall into place with that information and that's how we found out about elizabeth now understand if i'm remembering this correctly suzanne didn't know about my partner's experience with seeing the older woman hunched over the computer yet knowing that there was an older woman inside the building. This was not lost on her. So all this stuff is going on with the shop. Um, the energy is being stirred up. We learn about Elizabeth, the resident ghost of the building. And there's one more story I'm going to tell in a moment about a ghost boy that was inside the space. So we knew the space was very energetic, yet it didn't stop us from <laughs> attempting to use the Ouija board. Now, disclaimer, and if, you, if you've heard me before, you know that I am a uh, fan of the Ouija board. 
that when it comes to being any type of communication tool, divination tool, that the Ouija board is probably one of the best ones that you can use. Because here we have not a single person's energy with like a pendulum or a divining rod. But in this case, you can have multiple energies at the same time, all connected through this planchet on this perfectly organized board with letters and numbers. This is the perfect outlet for communication for us non-psychics. So I can get into more detail of that. I think I've already talked about it to death. Pardon the pun. But this is in the infancy. So the whole time that all this stuff is happening is the year 2004. And this is really in the infancy of me getting into the Ouija board. And over the years after that, I would learn a lot about it. And I would get much better in the use and the direction of leading sessions. But back then, I didn't really know too much. So I, you go into this space that is very energetic, as the Haunted Hamilton shop was, and you're combining it with three people who really don't, not psychic at all. Suzanne wasn't there. Uh, and that we're kind of just like grasping, grasping at straws, or in this case, grasping for energy. And, it, you know, things are not going to go well. So it was myself my partner and ghost guide James. So this was one of our original ghost guides along with ghost guide George. But George wasn't there. It was just the three of us. And we're using the board. And I'm telling you, it was energetic. I mean, it was reacting quite powerfully. And not just on the board. Now, the communication coming through the board was a little muddled. It wasn't the best communication. But the response that we got from the space was much different than that. Now, just keep in mind, it's about 9 or 10 o'clock at night. And as we're communicating, the board starts to get a little bit angry. And you can tell this, it will uh, usually start to threaten you, or it might swear at you or about you. It might insult you, like say insults, kind of like acting like a bully. And it was doing that. But as well, the room started to feel heavy. Now, let me paint the picture for you. The main parlor space, kind of like an old-fashioned living room, uh, had an antique couch, an antique rocking chair, and, of course, the counter, and at the front, uh, the windows facing the street with our two good and evil gargoyles in the window. I still actually have the good one uh, in the shop in Niagara. Um, so, yeah, that's how it was set up, and we're in the middle of the parlor with a small table and a Ouija board and just some folding chairs. And on the on the right, on my right, was the psychic parlor, but the curtain had been pulled over, so only a small opening, and it was dark in the psychic area. So we're using the board, and the room starts to turn, and I'll describe the feeling for you. When you hear that the air has gotten heavy... If you've experienced that feeling before, when the negative energy takes over a space, it does feel like the air is heavy. It feels a little bit harder to breathe. And as well, you feel very um, anxious and you feel a lot of dread. So at that point, the air gets heavy. It's hard to breathe. I'm feeling anxious and dread. And as well, I feel like I'm being watched. So you have the back area where Elizabeth has been seen, and you have the psychic parlor. And I remember looking over at the psychic parlor with the curtains slightly pulled, and I swore that I saw somebody staring at me from behind the curtain. And at that point, I was just kind of freaking out. And I, t I told uh, 
my partner and, and James, I said, maybe we should just put this session to an end and, and call it a night. And, and they must have been feeling the exact same thing because they didn't hesitate to say, yeah, let's let's just go. So we left. We actually just left everything as it was. We just let the Ouija board sit in the room. Uh, we left the building. Coming back the next morning, it felt pretty normal again. Now, there's tons of stories I could really talk about when it comes to the Haunted Hamilton shop, but, you know, I don't want the podcast to be too long. I don't think a lot of people really care too much, so I'm just kind of doing the highlights here, and when I was thinking about what's the most amazing highlights to feature for such a place, one just popped in my head immediately. Now, this is in relation to a family member of mine, my godniece, and I'm not going to have her name in this i'm going to change her name for the story uh just because of the whole situation too um she was only three years old at the time so me and my partner were watching her one afternoon and we had to go into the shop to watch it for a bit and we're inside the shop now i realized that jane that uh, my god niece has has disappeared And I'm looking around for her, and that's when I hear her little voice coming from the storage area. So if you walked into the shop, into the door there, uh, turn right, the psychic parlor would be on your right-hand side. If you walked into the psychic parlor, on your left was the table that Suzanne would sit at with clients, and on the right-hand side was a curtain that covered this little storage unit. Now, if you walk in, the uh, ceiling in that storage area comes down on a slope and the reason for that is it's the original location of the grand staircase of that row building so they had uh, blocked it off and created a different staircase that had been blocked off from the rest of the the units so that um, they could have apartments upstairs but this is kind of the original location that led down into the basement of the building it's since been changed so she's inside this storage thing with the curtain closed and i can hear her little voice talking so i, I just kind of like snuck up very quietly and I, I listened i didn't want her to know i was there and she was having a conversation now a conversation is usually a back and forth and i could hear her talking as if asking a question or stating something and then she would pause so there'd be silence for a few seconds as if she was listening to somebody answering her so i listened to this conversation and like she wasn't in trouble or anything Uh, she wasn't lost she seemed to be enjoying her conversation like she was having fun kind of like playing Uh, So I just left it alone. I go back into the main parlor, and eventually Jane walks out on her own. So I I asked her, I I said, uh, oh, uh, what were you doing in there? And she said, oh, I was talking. I was talking to the boy. And uh, I said, oh, the boy, you know, what, what about him? And my first thought in this moment was that it was maybe an imaginary friend, it's funny when you have these kind of paranormal things occur you always go to the natural first this is with me anyway i don't know if you're the same way so i i kind of just assume that oh it's like an imaginary friend or something i'll ask her mother about it later and say ah she has an imaginary friend this little boy and that's when she said the thing that kind of turned the whole moment she said i was talking to him and he told me he was dead this 
still gives me chills. Because, like, remember, she's not old enough to know the concept of death. And that kind of dawned on me right in the moment that there's no way that she could have possibly known what those words meant. He told me he was dead. So uh, I, uh, I I told my partner, I said, okay, I don't, I don't know how we're going to handle this one. <laughs> it's like, the last thing you want is your godniece going home and telling her, her mom <laughs> that situation. Just, you know, put yourself in the shoes of someone who's not a believer in the paranormal <laughs> and having your kid come home with that story. When, when she did say it, we kind of covered it and said, oh, okay, and she was curious about the concept of death. I was very careful about, you know, saying, you know, people eventually move on and such and such and just talking kind of that kid way. I really don't know for the life of me what happened after she went home, if she did mention it to her mom or if this might be the first time. I hope maybe her, her mom's listening and know who I'm talking about that, uh, this isn't the first time that you're hearing it, but keep in mind, they were having a good conversation. Uh, Jane was really, you know, enjoying her time talking to the, the little boy in that shop. But in the end, uh, the Haunted Hamilton shop was a very bad idea. That was before its time. And it didn't pan out the way that uh, we hoped it would. And about a year later, in 2005, uh, it was shut down. And I, I'm i not 100%. Oh, um, Dungeon Divas was in the space for a little while. I don't know if they're still there or what's in the space as I speak this moment. Now, next week, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, this is one that I've been planning for since I started this podcast, so I'm looking forward to discussing what I'm going to talk about is real-life possessions. And hint, it's nothing like the movies. This is Ghost Guy Daniel. Thanks for listening, and have yourself a great week.